Welcome to the Dance Cry Dance Break. It's Tuesday, July 26th, and I want to start the show today by reading you something. It's part of a quote from a famous story that you may or may not have read, and includes the following description of a curious young girl. She didn't want to know how a thing was done, but why? That can be embarrassing. You ask why to a lot of things, and you wind up very unhappy indeed, if you keep at it. Without context, you might wonder if there isn't some wisdom in the sentiment, if we might often be happier if we just left certain questions unasked. But ask yourself now, how does this quote feel to you if you already know its origin, a particularly tense scene in Ray Bradbury's classic novel Fahrenheit 451? And how does it feel if you know that these words are spoken by Captain Beatty, the story's book-burning antagonist? And if you didn't know... Does this information change your perspective? The answer to that probably depends a lot on who you are, what you believe, and where you were standing in the first place. Today's show is about questions and answers, and most of all, about perspective. I'm your host, Mo Preventure. Enjoy the break. Answer Inc. doesn't provide a company computer. For $32.50 an hour, my old Mac does the job. The screen illuminates my face as I hunch over the keyboard. Every light is off in my basement apartment, the scent of microwaved biryani filling the cramped space. I'm confined to the beanbag chair my parents let me take from my childhood bedroom, the faux leather slightly sticky beneath my back. Once I log in, questions fill my ears. Is Pomchi the right breed of dog for me? How far is too far to drive for a Tinder date before I look like a creep? If I can only afford to buy my father's diabetes medication or my brother's diabetes medication, who should I buy? I'm not allowed a follow-up question. I can't delve into which relative Asker C is closest with, which attended more of her high school drama performances, which calls her on her birthday. No. They are paying for a one-sentence reply, so one sentence is what they get. No, a cockapoo is the correct breed. Anything over 50 miles and you'll seem like an axe murderer. Strictly based on life expectancy, your brother. Sometimes I imagine my callers. 20-something with a perfect fade. Late 30s with a softening gym body. Early 40s, grays coming in at the roots. It helps me answer to humanize the anonymous caller numbers and blurt out headshots. For $50, clients log on to have someone else make their decisions. Should they get a face tattoo? How many cats is too many cats for their condo? Which is the best day of the week to bring up divorce to their blindsided spouse? I can see the allure. There are too many options these days. Too many lives you can live. And none of them feel right. The vastness is crippling. If I had money, maybe I'd use the service. Employees get a 20% discount. But rent is steep. My questions remain my own. I rarely get the same caller twice. Except B582, that is. Somehow, she's in my queue every day. I imagine she's in her 30s. Short hair, eyes baggy from sleep. At least, that's what her one sentence a day conveys. Is the air in my apartment toxic? She asked on her first call. I listen for the bleep of CO detectors. Finding none, I say, no, the air in your home is clean. 
The next day, she asked, if my landlord is trying to poison me, how would I know? After consulting a poison control Google search, I said, you would feel lightheaded and nauseous. Her daily questions morph from outward concerns to inner. Is it crazy to believe your landlord is trying to kill you? Is it normal to fear the water coming from the tap? Is it normal to worry about what's coming for me? To each question, given the times we live in, I say, no, it's completely normal to worry about X, Y, and Z, as long as it doesn't rule your life. After a month, I email my boss asking if I can get in touch with B582 to give her the number for a healthcare professional or therapist that may be better equipped for her questions than an ex-barista with a sociology degree. My supervisor writes back that of course there is no way to contact B582. Answer Inc. cares about customer privacy, and if we were to pass B582 onto another service, we would be losing the $50 per call. And that certainly isn't the business plan. We are a form of therapy, he says, the simplest form of therapy. On B582's hundredth call, I refuse to answer her question about fearing the inhuman silhouette standing on her street corner. Instead, I give her my cell phone number, rattling off the digits, hoping my supervisors aren't listening in. There's got to be a better way of doing this. I can't give you the help you need. Call me and we'll figure something out. B582 pauses. But what about the silhouette? She asks after a minute. I swallow whatever response I thought I'd come up with and simply tell her, if it's close to your house, yes, go lock your doors. Then she hangs up and my next caller is on, asking me about hair care products and flammability around tiki torches. I wait for an unknown number to light up my cell phone screen, but nothing happens. I continue to answer questions about organic sheets, dopamine deficiency, and the most successful ways to potty train a cat, with no interruptions. I end my shift at 8 o'clock and move to the kitchen where I microwave instant cup noodles and continue to wait for her call. But the call doesn't come. I worry about how quick she locked the door. The next morning, B582's ID pops up on my screen. She neglected my personal number, but I'm cool with that simply for the fact whatever she thought she saw beneath that streetlight didn't get her in the night. I click accept and wait for her voice. How do you live in this world, she asks, words coming quick as if startled. I've given up on one-sentence replies. If she isn't going to call my actual number, this is the only chance, the only way I might help. By following the truth, listening to facts, believing those you love, not letting every fear swallow your day. Each option sounds sensical, as I say it, but there is a hesitancy in the back of my throat, an uncertainty clinging to my tongue. But everyone possesses their own individual truth. You're seeing a different world than I'm seeing. Nope, there's one world, and we're all sharing it. I'm waiting for my supervisor to come online to end the call, but it's just the two of us, despite the fact we've far surpassed the time limit. My heart rate is up. I can smell my own sweat. You tell yourself what you need to. Our worlds aren't the same, but they might be someday. You couldn't do your job if they were the same. You'd have too many questions and there'd never be enough answers. You'd always be too afraid of what's coming. What is coming? Is it that silhouette again, I ask? What's coming for me is also coming for you. It comes for all of us, eventually. Why do you think I'm so afraid? I assumed you had an anxiety disorder or a list of phobias. Not this. We all have anxieties, she replies. In the background, footsteps fall on hardwood. Boots approaching from down a long hallway. But this is different. 
It has arrived and I never learned how to prepare. Prepare for what? You'll know when it gets to you. All I can say is you need to be the one asking the questions, not the one giving. Then the line goes dead. No, wait, I reply, leaning forward, my face close to the screen as I frantically search for some trace of B582, an account number, an email, something I might have previously overlooked. There's no redial option, no number I can reconnect with. It's just me and the next question. What's the cheapest wine I can get away with on a first date? I want to ask if he's aware of what's coming for him. Whatever got B582. But I hold my tongue. 28 a bottle, I reply. Not ready to be the one asking the questions. Not yet.
The song you just heard was Inhuman by Nashville musician and producer Thomas Brian Eaton. Before that was Answer Inc., a story inspired by the song, written by Massachusetts writer Corey Ferenkoff and voiced by David Kaminish. Theme music for The Break is Red Lines by Tiny Tiny, and break artwork is by Franco DiCarlo. The Dance Cry Dance Break is written and produced by Natalie Bain and recorded and edited by me, Mo Preventure. Our stories editor is Timory Marston. A transcript of today's story, along with links to the artist and writer, can be found on our website. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts to hear more. For extended episodes, interviews, and exclusive bonus content, become a subscriber at break.dancecrydance.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the next break.